Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi. With me is Armin Navabi. He already said hi. Um, we talked recently about the one thing that's going on that everybody's talking about right now is the the the, the withdrawal of the U.S. from Afghanistan, twenty-year war, two trillion dollars, thousands of troops dead, even more tens of thousands of civilians dead. I mean, it's just been a tremendous cost and they withdrew. And recently about it, and we were talking about like, you know, whether this could have been done any different. Yes, of course, it could have been done a different way. But, you know, it was always going to be a problem. That was basically the idea. Then uh, the the bombing happened. Right? ISISK um, carried out. Um, Ali, you can say, you can, let's just say it like other people do, because it seems like YouTube has removed the sensitivity to this because so many people are saying it. So just say ISISK. It was the first time I said ISIS, and then you know I just got screwed. And so every the <laughs> moment I correct myself. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It, it so seemed, yeah. Yeah. Going. ISIS Khorasan, ISIS uh, K, uh, has now, and this is a rival group to the Taliban. They came in and they they just bombed and they killed a whole bunch of a dozen uh, American soldiers. They killed many Afghan civilians as well. And uh, this sort of changed everything. Now, this is something that Joe Biden had to own. Got a lot of criticism for it because it's something that they knew about. Biden himself said there's a high risk event that we're trying to we're trying to prevent from happening. And apparently they couldn't. So a lot of things have gotten more complicated. Uh, you know, people are, you know, obviously the Republicans are saying, you know, Biden should be impeached. And there's just a lot more criticism. The whole situation has somewhat changed, but has it? And that's the question. I think that's what we're going to talk about. What happens now? Um, the U.S. is finally out of Afghanistan. Like everybody's out. All the troops are out now. And uh, now there are these rival Islamic militant groups. There's the Taliban who are in power. There's Al-Qaeda and the remnants of Al-Qaeda who are with the Taliban. They're in alliance with them. And then there's ISIS-K, which is a separate entity that is actually, uh, they're rivals to the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. They're, they're not in line with them. So there's a lot and going on. You forgot one of the another group, the Northern Alliance. The Northern Alliance, yes, yes. The King of the North, how's that? Yeah, King of the North, <laughs> as you call him. So this is that um, now. So Armin, before right when you had the U.S. there and you had this sort of like weird makeshift government uh, that really wasn't, I guess, much of a government. Now we know um, holding out. They had this sort of like iron fist, I guess, that was keeping all of the ingredients um under bay like at bay right so now and now, now the whole thing has just come loose right so what do you think is going to what we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about what the interplay will be between these different groups but how has this changed like in terms of the withdrawal from afghanistan is it does it change things the the perspective that we had last time um yeah actually it makes it seem like 
uh, more of a good idea that we that I mean, United States left um, because it seemed like this was all being held by, you know, scotch tape. Mm-hmm. And given how everything fell apart, as soon as you removed it, doesn't seem like anything else would have been able to hold it together, no matter how much time you spent there. So it just made it. A lot of people seem to have come up with the wrong message. They were like, "Oh, this means that we shouldn't have left." I was like, "This seems like it." didn't matter when you leave like to me it made it more obvious that it didn't really matter when you left there's nothing that could have hold us together so you might as well left um you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. um or even never came in to begin with yeah actually like a lot of people say like you know what the, or- the original reason why we came to afghanistan was good but as soon as we uh, killed bin laden then we should have left i was like yeah you killed bin laden in pakistan which also shows that the whole idea of like coming to Afghanistan in this way to tackle like to get bin Laden that that whole mess was unnecessary like you should have come to Afghanistan to to take out bin Laden the same way you took him out in Pakistan not not with this whole mess right mm-hmm. uh, anyways that's a different discussion because I want to keep it true to the title of this uh, episode which is the future of Afghanistan I want to kind of like us touch upon all the things that will affect the future of Afghanistan as much as we can. Okay. So I, I'm, it's going to be less of a pre- prediction, but look more of things to look for and things that could affect the future of Afghanistan because predictions as we have seen are impossible, but the factors at play touching on them and coming up with what factor, what could affect the future of Afghanistan in what way, I think that's a more useful way of looking at it rather than coming yeah. up with determined predictions. Right. And the main th- the main place we need to look at first, I think, is Taliban, and then we could look at uh, ISIS K and maybe the Northern Alliance and the other elements, and then we could look at uh, when we're talking about the future of Afghanistan. What what are we looking at? What do we mean by the future of Afghanistan? Look at it from like what I think is three different perspectives. But if we want to start with the Taliban itself, right, um, and you know the relationship with, they have with um, all these other groups that exist and might like keep grow either under under the, the label that we're seeing or under new labels. Um, how is that going to affect Taliban and how is that going to affect the nature of how they operate and what their goals are? Okay, because uh, a lot of people keep making statements about Taliban as if this is like a um, completely like unanimous unanimous group of people with like the same ideology with the same goals and with this unchanging nature and goal and this is like i i think it's very inaccurate it's you know i think a lot of people think like oh if you think this about taliban then you're naive because taliban is like this right but i think they're the ones who are being naive because the taliban from one province is different from the Taliban from even the Taliban in Kabul. Like if you talk to them, you're going to get a different reaction from some, some, from some of them to the, to some other members from other members, but also you can see their attitudes and their strategies changing in time. And, you know, some of them like this change and some of them don't like this change. Um, but so you can't just come up and paint the whole thing with one broad brush and not treat it as if it's not fluid. It is a lot more fluid there are some things that are probably never going to change. Like, I mean, the nature of the fact that they are extremely uh, Islamist and they're extremely conservative. Obviously, those things are not going to change that, you know, they are uh, the lack, you know, when it comes to human rights, women rights, gay rights, trans rights, all that stuff, we know that they're going to be 
you know, the standards are very low there. Those things are not going to change. But there are many other things about them that are going to be fluid. But what's going to, which direction they're going to go is going to be dependent on so many factors. And this ISSK factor is actually a very good um, way to like examine that, right? Because um, I think the, the two main, like if you want to simplify this, and look at where, which direction Taliban is going to go to. The way a lot of people have described it is, are they going to be pragmatic or are they going to be ideological, right? And a lot of us claim that, you know, it makes sense for them to be prag more pragmatic rather than ideological because a lot of people think that a group like Taliban is so loyal to their Islamic viewpoint that they're never going to sacrifice anything. But... A lot of us who study a lot of these groups and look at what they do, it seems like their survival and their their access to power is actually takes priority over everything else. And these Islamic values are often used as a tool rather than an actual goal. So, but then if that's the case, then why do they not go full on pragmatic rather than like why do they even hang on to anything ideological if it's against their interests? Because I don't, I think like when they're when they become when they keep on these, you know, when they become more ideological and they become more radical, that's actually also pragmatic. Because if look at ISIS-K, right? What is ISIS-K? ISIS-K is mostly, ISIS-K is very similar to Taliban in the sense that well, they are... It, well, it's an... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's an outgrowth of the Pakistani Taliban. That's right. I mean, well, yeah. No, both. Mm -hmm. It's a mix of ex-Pakistani um, Taliban and ex- Afghani Pakistan, right? Mm -hmm. But they're also, demo uh, uh, you know, I, I, if I say they're mostly passionate, it's not like we, we don't care about people's ethnicity, but people like this is not just Islamic, right? When it comes to Afghanistan, these groups, their ethnicity matters a lot, yeah. right? Um, like this is a major part of their identity. It's not just Islam. It's also their tribe that they belong to. For example, the Northern Alliance is like mostly, I think, a Tajik group, right? Mm -hmm. Um so this is not just a battle between ideologies. This is also a battle between different ethnic groups. Um, but the thing is that ISIS-K is mostly Pashtun, just like the Taliban, right? So the loyalties seem to be like this, these groups shouldn't be against each other if like tri if ethnic loyalties matter. But they but they are very much against each other because the ideologically they are very much the opposite of each other, right? Um, and the reason why groups like ISIS-K might become popular, and again, in the past couple of years, they have lost a lot of their members, is because of the compromises that the Taliban is making, right? Um, like that, And this is why there's a limit for Taliban on how much compromises it can make when it comes to human rights, when it comes to um, becoming legitimate for in, in internationally, uh, when it comes to women's rights, human rights, because they like, a lot of people don't understand it is in their best interest economically to make those compromises, but they will lose members if they do so too much, right? Yeah. ISIS-K members are former Taliban members who think that the Taliban are apostates. Who are capitulating. Apostate. No, but not just, like, these are not, they, these are not Muslims who are making the wrong decisions. They're literally apostates because of them working with the Americans, because well, of them making a deal with Americans, like even signing an agreement with Americans and making compromises with Americans that may, and worse than that, Ali, worse than that, reaching out to Shias, mm -hmm. right? The fact that the Taliban 
has reached out to Shia communities and instead of massacring them, has made a lot of former Taliban members to consider the Taliban not Muslim anymore. Yeah. Right? Like they're ex-Muslim in their eyes. Like I think maybe we should invite the Taliban in our ex-Muslim groups now because because of that. They, they are, according to ISIS-K, Taliban is ex-Muslim now because they are mm-hmm. apostates, right? Yeah. So this is, you go on. Oh, no. So sorry. I, I was going to say one of the really interesting things that I found happened is, you know, last week people, this this news broke the, that, that the Biden administration had given the Taliban a whole list of Americans and, you know, permanent residents uh, that they wanted to get out of Afghanistan safely. Like they'd given this list to the Taliban and everybody was freaking like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But Ayan Hirsi Ali said this is beyond moronic. Everybody's talking about it. It turns out this week we found out that the Taliban actually secretly helped these Americans get out. So they had a deal like the, this, the government actually had a deal in the Taliban. It came out that the Taliban was helping Americans safely come to the Kabul airport and get evacuated. So I, I don't think that's going to play very well with the ISIS-K people either. Like they're, they're oh, actually no, they're, helping the Americans get out. I mean, that's, that's egregious. That's like an acute yeah, situation. But this is exactly, I mean, what you what we should have expected because as soon as Taliban comes into power, like a lot of people think that Taliban would not have any interest into becoming more pragmatic rather than ideological, but that's, there are two competing interests here. There is a lot of interest for like, there is some force um, that is influencing Taliban to become more pragmatic rather than ideological because there's a lot of money here at play. Okay. Uh, People think like, Internet like Taliban would not care about international re- recognition. Taliban desperately needs some form of international recognition right now because there's a lot of money at play. There's a lot mm-hmm. of trade. There's a lot of money that is frozen. There's a lot of international aid that wouldn't flow into Afghanistan. And uh, you know, it's going to be Taliban doesn't have much experience in managing a country. Yeah, they're, they're running a country. They, That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they know that they need. They, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to be able to. Um, you know, manage the borders, keep money, trade flowing in without that international recognition. And they need to be somehow convince the world that they're going to be able to maintain stability in Afghanistan. And yeah, we're still going to like abuse women rights and stuff. Of course, we're the Taliban, but it's not going to be as bad as 20 years ago. Like they're going to like, they want to be like, you know, women, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Like maybe say like, you know, women can go to school, but unlike under the previous regime, it needs to be separate from men and they need to be in full hijab. Okay. It's not going to be like before that they couldn't study at all, but there's going to be some limitation, but still better. Okay. Like they they want to, they want again, and this is going to be ISIS K. Like this is not why we joined, like the people, and this is going to be great marketing for our ISIS K members because a lot of Taliban members are like, what the hell are we doing? This is not the Taliban I joined. Right. Yeah, no, no. So, yeah, you know, I was saying the West generally eats this stuff up. So they know, I think they know, like when Saudi Arabia, remember when they said like three or four years ago that we're going to allow women to drive. I mean, this is something that should have been okay 50 years ago and there were 50 years too late, but they said, we're going to allow women to drive and everybody, everybody in the U S and in Europe was saying, oh, wow, you know, this new guy is so progressive. 
He's progressive. Right. He's allowing women to drive. So the bar is very low. The, the, the Taliban, they don't really have, they only have to do one or two superficial things and give them one or two things that they didn't before. They're only going to be judged by how bad they were before. But it's going um, to be very hard game to play for Taliban. Like it's again, the Taliban might be pushed into actually becoming more radical because of this, this illusion, you know, of its members, right? Mm -hmm. Because of uh, the threat of groups like ISIS-K and the fact that their, their members might actually start growing, um, the Taliban is going to feel limited in how much they're going to be able to go on the pragmatic side, right? It's very, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, contradictory because sticking on the ideological side actually might be the pragmatic thing to do, right? So that you don't uh, lose a lot of, like, you know, the, the people who are at the top of Taliban, they might have these uh, plans and stuff like about becoming a little bit more lenient, but again, they are, you know, you, you could see the previous government, like Afghan's um, army, one reason why they lost so easily and the, the reason why so they, they there was no resistance is because of the disillusion that existed within the soldiers, you know, literally, you know, compared to the commanders, the warlord, like the people that the, the soldiers, the Afghan soldiers were supposed to follow. They were like, these people are corrupt. These people um, do have not our, have don't have any our, our interests at heart and blah blah blah. So they didn't fight. They gave up. A lot of them gave up. Not all of them, but a lot of them gave up. The same thing could happen with Taliban. If the Taliban keeps like, oh yeah, we're like pro women now, or like women can study, and we're gonna make deals with the Europeans and the Americans and like, you know blah 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 and all of this stuff and like oh we, and worst of all, we're gonna actually not massacre the Shias and we might even protect them. A lot of Taliban's might be like, okay, so we're selling us now that we're in power like this wasn't about islam now that we're in power it was all about power we're selling our soul to the devil and this is not what the victory was about, supposed to be about and they're going to join oh another difference between the ISIS, uh, oh uh, um there's going to be relationship with iran okay uh, a lot of taliban members are going to hate that the fact that the taliban i mean the taliban the heads of taliban today went to tehran they had like they had friendly conversations with the islamic republic of iran a lot of taliban members are going to hate that right another thing that is very different between isis k uh, and the taliban is that is the fact that um taliban is very nationalist like taliban is about afghanistan okay isis k doesn't recognize borders I isis k is like let's risk this is a second attempt at the caliphate right the first attempt was in iraq and syria that failed this is now a second attempt in khorasan right um and but khorasan is not the limit this is like the eventual goal is the entire planet, right? And one thing we have to recognize, Ellie, is that the ISIS-K is a very small group right now, very small group. Like, like the reason why we're yeah. talking about it is because what it could become, because they, the initial bombing that they did, that was like their best marketing campaign they could have had. Like they had a small window of opportunity to make themselves as the brand to unite under as this new, like right now that... Taliban is going to go pragmatic. We're going to be the people who are going to be truly, you know, truly Islamic. Uh, like there, there might have been many multiple groups, but ISSK is like, hey, we're here. Like anybody, hello. Like this is our mm. rallying cry. So they had a very small window of opportunity to like take advantage of to send the signal to all the jihadis. Like, hey, jihadis unite, uh, and they and they did it. And now they're like everybody's talking about them, which is fantastic marketing for them, right? So yeah. they, they they as of right now they're going to be the brand to unite under. And this is actually very um, scary for the Taliban, right? 
and also for Iran and China, okay? Because I don't know if you last time checked. Hey, when I was like, I didn't, you know, for many years, I didn't know Khorasan was anything other than the province in Iran. Because as an yeah. Iranian, every time somebody said Khorasan, I was like, oh, that's a province in my country, <laughs> right? But then I realized, like, no, the reason why that province in Iran is called Khorasan is because it's a part of a bigger Khorasan, right? And that Khorasan, which is ISIS case, like ISIS Khorasan, is partly in Iran, partly in Pakistan, partly in Tajikistan, partly in Turkmenistan, partly in Uzbekistan, and partly in Afghanistan, of course. And also, Ali, partly in China. Okay. Oh, really? That's yeah. yeah that's that's the scary part. Okay. That this is why China is like Taliban. You need to better get a hold of this situation. Like this is scary. And also another thing that we're going to talk about later is that um, Uyghur Muslims who are are, you know, are joining these groups. Okay. This is extremely scary. Scary. This this so, so Afghanistan is now becoming a place where jihadis all around the world are realizing that, oh, this is a place that America has promised that they're not going to return to. Like, we have the guarantee that yeah. this is a place that America is not going to return to. Like, this is the best place. A place with a government that is not as strong. It's, it's still the Taliban. This is a weak government with not enough money. And a place that United States has promised the world that they're not going to go back to. Like, where else? Like, okay, forget, forget Syria and Iraq. This is where we have to start the caliphate. This is it. This is the place. And Uyghur Muslims are going to go there. Some Chechens Chich are going to go there. People from Syria and Iraq are going to go there. Um, Ex-Taliban members are going to go there. Some people who were part of the Haqqani network are going to go there. Um, and this is going, you know, a lot of people are predicting, like, this is, this is their place now. This is going to be the place now. And it all depends on Taliban. The Taliban is, is against the... Uh, some people... I'm not, you know, a lot of people think that this is, like, defending the Taliban, but it's not. The, it's against the interest of Taliban for this for, to work. The Taliban is now that, the, you know, Taliban is in Taliban's best interest right now to get stability in Afghanistan. Like it was in the best interest to have chaos in Afghanistan when the Americans were there. But now that they're in charge, they have to signal to the world that they can bring, uh, you know, stability to Afghanistan. And we're going to see what's going to happen. Anyways, go, uh, you want to say something? before? No, I, I was, was going to actually point everybody to, you know, we've had our one of our previous guests who... Uh, we had on this uh, podcast, Graham Wood has written an article in the Atlantic actually explaining ISIS-K. It's called, the article is called, what, what does ISIS want now? Um, and he's talking about it in the context of the Kabul bombing and uh, they're, you know, why they're opposed to the Taliban and how a lot of the things that Armin talked about. So that's just a good reference point if you want to learn more about ISIS-K and what they're all about. Right. So that's um, but by the way, Ali, like, like when it comes to when I say the Taliban is Pashtun and ISIS-K is also Pashtun, I don't know if people can understand how closely these people are related. Like these people are each other's families, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could have like a father in Taliban and his son in ISIS-K and they're fighting against each other, right? And some people are saying like, well, how closely, you know, because they are so close with each other, like they're the same families, they say like they're married, these are families that are married to, with each other. Like, are they really enemies? Because it seems like they, maybe they're like, it's fluid. Maybe they're sometimes working with each other and sometimes fighting each other. My understanding is, and this might be inaccurate, but based on listening to certain experts, is like, no, the relationship is very black and white. Like they are moral enemies. The fluidity of the nature between them is not that they are not enemies is that their members might hop between one another right like mm -hmm. it's like 
like you might have one day somebody thinking like okay i'm still taliban even after all this but after a week we're like okay you know what i'm i'm hopping over to isis game so that's the, the nature of the fluidity that some people they, they might like exchange members every once in a while but if you're in that group like no you are anti-taliban you know what i mean like mm -hmm. th that is that is my current understanding right but because yeah. there are so many conspiracy theories yeah, right now are all online and i don't think most of them is like without any evidence like people like oh maybe they're working with each other blah 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 but unless we see any evidence i don't think we should give any of that any yeah um you know validity so yeah. here is the interesting part of this so we know we know for the, the, everything that happens in the middle east the the us is always like bounced around as to who who they're going to be allies with you know depending on who's fighting whom and this happens all the time so now uh so joe biden said in one of his press conferences, he said, quote, it is in the interest of the Taliban that ISIS-K does not metastasize beyond what it is, end quote. Biden said that. So that's in the interest of the Taliban. Who else is it in the interest of that ISIS-K does not metastasize beyond what it is? It's in the U.S.'s interest. So Iran, hmm? China, Iran, China, Pakistan. Uh, yeah, everybody. So, but like specifically, what's interesting about this is because the U.S. was leaving, and the Taliban actually helped the U.S. helped all these Americans get to the airport safely, helped get them evacuated. The U.S. trusted the Taliban by giving them a list of people, Americans and permanent residents and foreign nationals who had to be evacuated, um, and the Taliban actually carried it out in secret. So. The U.S. and Taliban, like the, these people were fighting against each other for the last 20 years, now have a common uh, alliance. They're working with each other. They, they had a negotiation last year with the, with the Trump administration. They talked about things. Obviously, you can't trust the Taliban with carrying out its part of the deal. You can't really do that. But it's just uh, interesting that when it comes to ISIS-K and what is to come in the future, because ISIS-K, like, what did they do with that bombing, the Kabul bombing, Right. The, first of all, they they showed that uh, um, that this this isn't over. I mean, they they killed American soldiers, uh, thirteen American soldiers, you know, who went back, and they showed their power when it came to that, even though they're very small in number. And then they also basically sent a message to all of the rest of Afghanistan that the people in Afghanistan that okay, this isn't over. You know, things are about to get really bad. They're about to get really bad even here, especially after the U.S. leaves. Okay, and we're, we're letting them go. They're leaving all bloodied up because of us. And at the same time, you guys better watch out, right? So there's, they've achieved that. That's a good, that's a good as in, that's a pretty strong show of power, right? And that's why everybody's concerned about it. But it has formed these these alliances between the, the US and Taliban, right? They, they have common interests now in, in a lot of ways. And I, and I don't know how that changes things. So okay, before I respond to that, I just want to say we see this. We we see the questions in the live chat from our patrons. We will get back to we we mm -hmm. will get to those and also the patron questions that we got on Patreon. Right. Uh, but I don't think trust is the right word to use here because we're not like uh, what's happening is is not trusting them with their words is like with their promises, uh, because it, the Taliban has proven time and time again that they're not gonna you know mm -hmm. keep their promises if they don't have to uh it's it's understanding what's in the like what's in their own best interest you know mm -hmm. it's like it, putting understanding what's best for the survival of taliban and how would they operate and i think that was a accurate calculation that the taliban because here's the thing the taliban had already uh, dr uh drawn a red line for americans to leave by the time uh, that Trump had said that they should, that they're gonna leave, mm -hmm. and they didn't leave by then, and it looked very weak for Taliban for them 
for that red line to be crossed by America and for the Taliban not to uh, make America pay a heavy price for it. Like the Taliban had to like, they wanted, they totally don't, you know, you, we signed an agreement with, uh, with Trump. If you, if you stay that past that red line, all hell will break loose. Right. And Biden came in and like, okay, we're leaving on August 31st, which is a couple of months after Trump order. And the Taliban was like, no, we signed an agreement with you. This is our red line. And that red line was passed and Taliban really kind of ignored it. And there was the new red line is like, okay, this is a new red line, August 31st. The, like no not a single day after that right like and the taliban would have looked really pathetic if they start, didn't start attacking america and like as they promised like if they didn't pass that red line right so it was in the best interest for taliban because they didn't want to start a conflict with with america at that point because mm-hmm. they want like please americans leave by august 31st so we don't have to like start this like we don't have to like may you have because they wanted like to have a full-on takeover so yeah. it was best interest for the taliban to make sure that the americans can meet their august 31st deadline so like okay how can we help you <laughs> right <laughs> so it wasn't because they were like now caring for americans or because all of, oh, yeah, of they, course like, grew no. a heart or anything it was just that they wanted to make sure that this a second red line wasn't being passed and they didn't look uh pathetically weak uh, because they like right now they look very strong and everybody is like oh my god Talib- Taliban strong Taliban like this uh, made America look weak so they 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 want to keep writing that uh, and if America passed another, you know crossed another red line and they didn't do anything about it it would go against that branding now their major concern is going to be ISIS K making them look like they're weak if they can because it's once you know Taliban is good at winning battles you know especially well not winning battles like strategically winning battles by making sure that everybody understands that there's no f- use fighting uh but they're 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 not as good well, i mean they haven't shown to be that good at like maintaining you know managing a, a government okay um unless they could manage it in the way that you know that you do in the dark ages they're good at that but anyways like in, in modern society they not they don't know how to run that and you know they will i groups like isisk is going to be a major challenge for them yeah again again i understand that isisk is a very small group our but our worry our concern is that that's that might change very soon right because of how good you know their marketing was right at the day on day one right they were like hey guys show of power we are are the branding this is like like isisk was almost completely wiped out by in 2017 right but especially like people remember that with the Moab, the the mother of all bombs, like mm. they they were completely, you know, they seemed like it was that was the end of them, right? Uh, and that I, there's two reasons why they're back. One, Taliban opened all the prisons without doing any filtering, like they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So they they weren't checking who's who when they opened the doors. Um, second is because of this attack that they just did on the airport. So even though they seemed like it was a group like that was never going to come back, now it seems like they might, right? We don't know, okay? Um, so, th- and again, that's going to be, are they going to be, be successful at making ta- making Taliban look, like this might be a short-term thing, we don't know. Like Taliban looks strong now, but ISIS, if, if ISIS-K manages to uh, keep causing chaos all over Afghanistan, Taliban's, because here's the thing, a lot of people don't know, a lot, of, a lot of Afghans right now are welcoming the full-on Taliban takeover, okay? Because they think, like, this is the end. Not not necessarily because some of them, maybe they like Taliban. They're like, yes, finally, Islamic regime or something. But a lot of them, like, this is just, just stop the war, 
right? Mm-hmm. So some of them who might not even like the Taliban, they're like, you know what? We I'll, like I hear so many women saying like, I'll, I'll put a burqa on. I don't care. Just stop the war, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I hear a lot of people like that, right? I'm not saying I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong, but I, there's a lot of people t- who talk like that, right? Um, but then if ta- so, if they, a lot of people associate the Taliban takeover with less explosions. They're like, okay, less explosions, yay, no more war. But if ISIS K might be like. Uh, psych, right? And a lot of a lot of Afghans are like, okay, the Taliban can't can't even give us security, right? Like, if it's if if it's a difference, between, if we have to give up our freedoms to get more security, a lot of Afghans are like, you know what, we're we're willing to make that trade. But if the if groups like ISIS K manage to keep Afghanistan, like again, I don't know, maybe are they can, maybe they are not. But if they, if that, then it would uh, if they manage to keep the chaos going, then people are not the Taliban's popularity is going to drop like a rock. Ali, I see a lot of people actually saying, like, I used to think that people in Kabul would be like, oh, my God, our freedoms, our education is gone. And then people in the rural area saying, like, yay, security, no more war. Like, that's like mm-hmm. the simplified dichotomy. I thought, like, that was going to be there. But now if you listen, actually, to people even in Kabul, people are like, oh, it's great. Now I can walk in the streets. Like, women in Kabul, like, again, I'm not, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm just saying these are also there, Okay. There are women in Kabul are saying that I feel like I won't get harassed by men now if I walk in the streets of Kabul. Like they, mm. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying if they're correct or if they're. I'm just saying these narratives also exist, right? Mm. There, there, there are people like, oh, I, I, I know like there's going to be less theft because because under the previous regime, security was like crap. Like women thought like I would get harassed, like I would always be afraid of getting harassed. But now it won't get harassed because because of a Taliban takeover. Right? This is a corruption thing too, right? I mean, the the government was there was a lot of corruption in the government as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so for example, with corruption, one thing else that I saw is like under the previous regime, people say like the police constantly needed bribes, constantly needed bribes for anything to happen, right? Every time you had to got stuck with the police, your life would be a living hell unless you managed to give them a bribe. They say with with the Taliban, they give you a bribe receipt. So with the Taliban. You also have to give bribes, but they give you a bribe receipt so that no what you no other Taliban could ever collect bribes from you because you already show that you have a bribe. So with the, they say with the Afghan police before the Taliban, you have to con- give bribes all the time, over and over and over again. <laughs> but with the Taliban, you give bribe one time and then oh. you get the receipt and you show it and then you never have to pay it again. That's so they're so like, sad. I rather pay the- Yeah. That's so sad when you're like, okay, now I just have to bribe them once. And it's what? okay. And this is bliss. This is so much better than <laughs> oh, I'm in heaven. I only have to bribe them once. I have this receipt. It's like a you know your your well VAX card. You know, it helps you. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. The, oh my God. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It is. It's terrible. But, but you know what I what I meant, what I meant by the whole trust thing like before is that when when you have interests that are aligned, you can trust people with certain things. You don't trust them with anything, but. For example, you you can give them the list of all the Americans that have to be that they do because you know that they're going to do that. You can trust them with that because you have a quid pro quo, right? So those kinds of things you can manage. But yeah, I I I think that this um, I, I'm just not what's we talked about like in our Lebanon. Remember our Lebanon episode? We were talking about how Hezbollah can easily take over all of Lebanon, but it won't. Right? It won't do it. Because you know, once you do take over, you're you're not the the group that everybody supports, and you become accountable. Because now you're in power, so all of the stuff that's going wrong, you have to take responsibility for that as well. You can't just pin it on somebody else because you are the government. 
So that is something I think the Taliban is going to struggle with because now they are the government. They're in power. They're not just this group that is fighting uh, the Americans on behalf of Afghanistan, right? They, they are now in control. So there, there are going to be problems. Obviously, there are going to be all kinds of problems. And those problems will now, uh, are, people are going to eventually start uh, pinning on the government, the Taliban. So they are going to undergo scrutiny. They are going to have a, accountability. And their opposition, like ISIS-K and some of these other groups, is going to get stronger. Like it will get stronger. That's just the nature of how these things work. Um, so, and also look, because it's going, also because it's going to make a lot of sense for the ISIS uh, brand to just invest in Afghanistan more mm -hmm. than Iraq and Syria right now, as at least right. Because yeah. you know, there's a lot of other forces. Like, I mean, you know, those are there are much heavier forces in Afghan in uh, uh, in Iraq and Syria for, for ISIS to have to deal with. And they lost that battle over there, right? Mm -hmm. Here in Afghanistan, there's going to be a lot less resistance to them. Um, and there's almost this almost guarantee, we'll do, we don't know, that America is not going to come back. So the conditions are like just perfect. There's weak government. This is the best place for the second shot at the caliphate, right? But the problem is that if we're talking about the future of uh, Afghanistan, this is go. This goes beyond Afghanistan. The, the effects of this, right? This is going to have a spillover effect in the countries around it, um, and th in, in Afghanistan might become a perfect base for uh, radicalism to grow, right? It, especially if Taliban can't get get its acts together, right? Um, and also, you know, but but at, at the same time, Taliban might get a lot of aid from countries like uh, Iran and China because. Do, these are going to be the main countries, you know, and also Pakistan, because these are going to be the countries that are going to be terrified about the spillover effect, right? So we like we talked about, you know, the benefits to the Pakistan or the Islamic Republic of Iran and China, but there's also there's a lot of cost right now with the Taliban takeover. Um, you know, these countries are also terrified. Like these radical groups might be a threat to the Islamic Republic of Iran. I mean, Khorasan is the entire province in Iran. So we're saying ISIS Khorasan. What does that mean? Like at the end, like these, the ISIS Khorasan was created as a way to make this whole Khorasan their the beginning of their caliphate. So that means like they would want to annex part of Iran, annex part of China, annex part of Pakistan. That's the, that's their goal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying they will ever success. I mean, they will never be successful at that. But the mere fact that this is their original state of goal right now, it's less of that. Right now, it's just Afghanistan. It means that they will, if if ISIS K is successful and it grows. Their ultimate goal is to make attacks on these areas so that they could start Islamic Islamic radicalism growing in those mm -hmm. places as well, so that they, you know, they will be against all these governments, right? Um, and they already have radicals there that are excited to join them if they become more popular, right? So because of you know one one hope that the Taliban has is getting a lot of aid from these countries, right? You know, it would be in the best interest of Islamic Republic of Iran for the Taliban to be able to get a handle over this. It would be the best interest of Pakistan's government. It would be the best interest of China's government. So these governments might step ahead of everybody else to legitimize Taliban and to trade with the Taliban so the Taliban gets enough finances to be able to maintain, you know, to run the country so that there is some stability there, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, by the way, another thing, Ali, that is very interesting that we should talk about uh, in uh, what I hear about people in Kabul is that some people are suggesting, again, I don't know if any of this is going to be true or not. I'm just reporting to you what some people are saying. Again, they're all like, I'm not the reason why I'm not mentioning all the people who are scared because I think a lot of people have heard that. Okay. So 
I'm not mentioning it because that's getting a lot of coverage. Like a lot of people are scared. A lot of people don't know what the Taliban is going to do to them. A lot of people who work with Americans don't know if they're going to live. A lot of women are worried about their freedoms. All of that is there. I'm not denying all of that, but that gets so highlighted. So I'm just highlighting these other things that we haven't heard. We, some, some, of, some people might not have heard. Uh, some women are saying that we, women education might go up. Again, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is what I'm hearing some people theorizing, which could be completely wrong, because they're suggesting that if the Taliban is actually true, and that's a big if, what they're saying is actually true, and that's a big if, that they're going to allow education of women, however, not mixed as it's been under the previous government, and with the full-on hijab and a burqa and everything, more women might actually get educated because there are a lot of women in Afghanistan who are not getting educated because the classes are mixed, because yeah. their families are conservative, and their family are not sending them to, to be educated because they would be mixed with boys, for example, right? Yeah. So they're saying that maybe under the new regime of Taliban, maybe more women would actually get educated because right. if you separate them, more families are willing to put their girls at. I don't yeah. know if that's true. I'm I, not I, saying I, it's true. Yeah, I, I feel, I, I think, I think that's a little bit of a stretch because I, I mean, know, even before yeah. they, they didn't just have coeducational schools. I mean, they they also had like everywhere, you know, even, even mm. here in, in, in Toronto, you're right. You have all girls schools, you have all boys schools and you got, you got, you got things like that too. So I, I yeah, don't know. But, I don't more, but there, that those options are not as much. You know what I mean? Like most options were mixed. So again, mm -hmm. it's about the numbers. How many? How many options do you have? Which one is close to you? If you have a lot more options that are not mixed, they're saying a conservative society like that might actually be more willing to send their kids to be educated. Again, I don't know. Okay, we'll see. Okay, every this is just. I'm, I'm not reporting what's going to happen. I'm just reporting what people are. Yeah. I yeah I, I kind of feel like there's going to be a lot of speculation about you know well they said this it could be different this way but um, eventually it's going to turn down turn out to be the same thing if right. if, the, if the Taliban has to, if they have any kind of strategic or economic advantage to offer the world then they're going to be able to get away with a lot like Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia had oil to offer to the rest of the world right so that because everybody wanted their oil they got immunity. They could do anything they wanted to, ban women from driving, throw them in burqa. They do all kinds of human rights abuses to all of the, all of their people, you know, the minor, religious minorities. But they knew that they were protected because they were offering oil to the rest of the world and everybody needed their oil. And so that's a huge double standard for years and years and years and years. Just, if they can, they, they're not going to have oil. They can offer some kind of... Minerals. It, well, it can be minerals. It can be some sort of strategic advantage, strategic alliance, right? The the U.S. is not in the region anymore. Yeah, mm. like like the, the U.S. is not in the region anymore. But the U.S. also does not want the Afghanistan to become a safe haven for terrorists because that's what led to 9-11 first, right? So now it it is in their interest not to do that. So if if the Taliban, for example, a, a strategically aligns themselves with certain aspects of the U.S. interests in the region to prevent it from becoming that way. I'm not saying they're going to do it. This is just an example, right? If they do that, then they may get complete immunity. They may be able to treat people like crap in their own country as long as, you know, they're providing this strategic advantage or alliance to to someone outside. So it's a, it, you know, that that's another way that these things work.
So let me actually put that in um, something to maybe easier to look at. Okay, so when it comes mm -hmm. to foreign, foreign foreigners, what they care about when it comes to Afghanistan, and then when it comes to Afghans themselves, right? So let's say the, I think the three things that we, people keep touching on: um, what is in the strategic interest of the countries around Afghanistan? And again, this is mostly countries around Afghanistan. Like a lot of people say, are talking about, oh, what about are we going to have a refugee crisis again, like Syria? Oh, well, actually, that's one of the patriot concerns. So I'm going to leave that there, but. I think the most immediate uh, effects are going to be felt by countries around Afghanistan, rather countries in Europe or in North America. Um, and these countries are going to be the things that keep being mentioned is three things. One is the gas pipeline that is going to be potentially going through Afghanistan and what the effect that's going to have for India, for Pakistan, for Iran. Um, and you know Uzbekistan and some other countries and, and Russia, right? Uh, that's the gas pipeline that a, a lot of people are talking about. Uh, radical groups that are now going to maybe have a safe haven in Afghanistan and the spillover effect in the surrounding countries. That's something. And the third thing is the minerals, right? So the minerals, the radical groups that might grow out of Afghanistan and the gas pipeline. So those are the three things that the surrounding countries are care about. Um, the, when it comes to the people in Afghanistan, the main things that people are talking about is security um freedoms and economics right so the current understanding is that maybe security is going to go up uh freedoms are going to go down uh, and economics um is, is so the economy the tiebreaker is going to be economics right and the thing when it comes to economics is that if the economics crashes in the taliban might be able to do the blame game on you know, the Europeans or Ameri North American countries who are not legitimizing it or like freezing its assets um, or not, you know, cutting the aid, cutting trade. So, so Taliban is like, you know what, like these people are not, you're muted, Ali. Ali. Or they may say like, you know, we inherited this from the war that happened. So it's not our fault. We are, we're doing our best to do this recovery, but it's, it's not like this came from external sources. So it's always, mm. it's pretty easy to blame economic woes on. Um, especially yeah. if you've been through 20 years of war, right? Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty easy to blame it on the, the, the occupier. Uh, one thing, one thing I want people to under, be careful of in the next decade or so, as into when people come to, like to judging what's happening in Afghanistan is that you're going to have examples for any narrative. Okay. So Everybody, like if you want, if people who want think this was a bad idea, people who think this was a good idea, people who think Tal Taliban uh, is not going to provide security, P people who think Taliban is actually not as bad as they thought, or people that thought like, oh, no, it was worse than they thought. Every, like there's going to be enough examples for everybody to show that they were right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have to, instead of, if you look at these, like you're going to find examples of Taliban, like, I don't know, killing poets or comedians um, or doing massacres. And then also you're going to have people of showing, having you examples of actually, no woman actually doing better uh, because now there's more security. Look at this place, that place, uh, you know, maybe like women are safer because sexual harassment has gone down. Everybody's going to have something to point to, to show that they were correct. So that, what, what you're, you're going. No, I'm saying that's a big advantage, right? And this is something like, for example, very similar situation with MBS in Saudi Arabia, 
same kind of thing happened. You know, people are like, oh, he's bringing in reforms, but he's also killing journalists and chopping them up. And there's, there's always something terrible that he's doing. There's always some good stuff he's doing. He's doing killing people in Yemen, but at the same time, he's allowing more economic investment and opening up movie theaters. And it, it, there's I'm trying so... trying not to talk about MBS because I, that would, like, make me stop, not be able to stop talking. So I'm just not, I'm going to, I'm going like, to, like, you're not talking okay, about MBS. Okay, just yeah. act like I'm not talking about it, but I'm just saying a parallel. This is what happens. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about what we think about him i'm just saying that generally the narrative was when this guy rose up the people writing op-eds wow this could be a real big change and then there were other people saying that no no this is terrible he's just you know he's fooling everybody but that strategically that kind of strategic ambiguity really really helped him right in that sense so then it so it the taliban my, my, my point is like um don't try to judge what's happening based on examples that is coming out of Afghanistan. Right. Like you need to try to come up with an overall uh, more, you know, better analysis that looks at everything and takes everything into account um, and puts these, you know, examples of what's happening into a larger picture and, you know, to 100%. come up with a better analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go to pay. We have less than 15 minutes left. Wait, well, I have to, to just uh, one more thing to add mm -hmm. because go I ahead. think this is something that people are not talking about and it's happening as we speak. Um, and by the time that we this you you listen to this, things might have already changed a lot because um, the Taliban just started like attacking uh, the Northern Alliance, by, led by Ahmed Massoud uh, in the Panjshir Valley, and that's another group. Like we talk, keep talking about ISIS K as like anti-Taliban, but the main anti-Taliban group in Afghanistan right now is the Northern Alliance. Um, the difference, you know, so the Panjshir Valley has been somewhere that the Taliban has always had a hard time. <laughs> capturing to become fully in control like right now as we speak the taliban is not fully in control of all of afghanistan the panjir valley is still uh left this is the smallest province in afghanistan but it's a place that the taliban has always had a problem even before it was you know ahmed masood's father um managed to keep that place um away from uh, you know you know away from taliban from a full taliban takeover all the way until two days before the 9-11 attack so basically ta taliban managed to have full control over afghanistan for like two days i guess right <laughs> um like yeah so but but now his son is doing the same thing over there and the, you know the taliban had a call with him so maybe they were trying to convince him to like bend the knee and well not bend the knee uh, mm, yeah king of the north uh, well, uh, ben, because ben, that would be shirk. So just to so just <laughs> join the Taliban and just accept the Taliban takeover. And the, this Ahmed Masood like, no, go screw yourself. We will never submit to the Taliban, right? So the Taliban like, okay, I guess we're attacking. Uh, we, we, we killed your father. Now we're going to attack you. So they started moving against the Panjshir Valley. And today, I think it was today or yesterday, um, the attack started, right? And both sides have lost people. So I don't know by the time that you're listening to this, if that war, what, where is this going to, like, is this going to be something that is going to end tomorrow? Or is this going to be a forever war for another 10 years? Uh, this, is, this is the main resistance right now in Afghanistan against the Taliban. Um, the difference between uh, um, Ahmed Masood and his father, which was Ahmed Shah Masood, Shah means king. So this is literally, he was literally the king in the north, right? Mm -hmm. This is like, <laughs> right? So... Um, the difference is that when Ahmad Shah Masood had the Panjshir Valley, he had like an opening to Tajikistan for it to be supplied and everything. So he had like an opening for, mm -hmm. for to be able to like maintain supplies and everything. But right now, unfortunately, his son is fully surrounded from all corners. So he has a major disadvantage right now compared to his father. Um, so he might 
we don't know what's going to happen. So, but that's something to look look at. But anyways, yeah. So let's do this. Let's go to patron questions. So as we do, we're going to go to our Patreon and the people who posted the questions there who may or may not have been able to join us live. So they always get the first priority. So the first question yeah. is so from. If, if you're a patron, uh, if you're a patron, you'd uh, on Patreon. If you can't join live, if you can't be here live with us, you can still send us your questions ahead of time and we will answer your questions uh, even if you can't join live with us. So again, link in the description. If you want to be a patron, uh, patron, you could become a patron and support help support the show. And at the same time, make sure your questions get answered even if you can't join. So we have two patron questions. Go on. We do. First one's from Vasuntara Majithia. Good question. The economy in Afghanistan is crashing. Do you think the economy can be stabilized under the Taliban? Or are the, Af are the Afghans doomed to poverty? It really depends on, um, you know, this is this is the compromise we're talking about. This is why the Taliban is forced to do some compromises because it really depends on how much they're going to be, be able to maintain trade uh, with other countries, right? Um, and which countries are going to, you know, how many countries are going to find it in their best interest to make sure that the Afghanistan doesn't collapse under the Taliban, right? Like I think like China is, would be in China's best interest. It would be in Iran's best interest. Um, so we'll, we'll, it, it really depends. Um, like it also depends on United States. Like United States has right now has a lot of, uh, of Taliban, uh, Afga no, Taliban, Afghanistan's money is frozen and people are like, can't even get their own money at, from the bank. So this is like really, um, in Taliban could right now go on a propaganda and like, yeah, guys, the reason why you can't get your money is because it's United States has frozen your money. So this is, I don't know. Um, but again, if United States unfreezes that money, a lot of people are like, oh, great job, United States of America. You just um, gave money to a group that you consider as a terrorist group. So it's just like, I don't, uh, but at the same time, if, it don't, if they don't unfreeze their money, they're Afghans right now that they like, that's our money in the bank that we can't, have access to and we need to eat and that's our money can you please unfreeze our money thank you very much so it, it really depends on so because of that because of the human cost associated with freezing all this money there's going to be both pressure on united states from to both free, keep freezing the money because it's taliban is now in afghanistan as a terrorist group and also because of the human cost of it is going to be a lot of pressure on them to unfreeze that so but at some point and there's going to be a lot of like aid a lot of aid is now going to be frozen to afghanistan and we don't know when that's going to come back it's going to be very hard for the taliban to be able to maintain all the all the uh you know infrastructure and everything without that aid continuing to come in without also a, a lot of the economic cost that we're going to see is going to be not because of the money that has been frozen and not because of the trade that is not maybe not going to be there for a while a lot of it is also going to be because of the brain drain right uh, some of the most intelligent, most skilled Afghans have just left Afghanistan and they will continue to leave Afghanistan in the foreseeable future. And it's going to be really hard for the Taliban to, I don't know, like maintain, like, you know, run this whole thing without the people who know how to do it. So that's also going to be devastating. I, honestly, like, I don't really know. Uh, the, the other way of looking at it is also you know, because of now China, I don't know, maybe like there's going to be a lot of interest in for China to come in and do deals with the Taliban with regards to the minerals and the pipeline might kind of come in 
and that eventually might help, might help Afghanistan. You. So it's really uh, we, the effects of how, which one of these are, is going to happen, and the effect. Like I don't think even economists can right now calculate how much each one of these is going to have an effect. So it's really so I could just tell you like the the list of things that I know is going to have an effect positively on Afghanistan's government, uh, Afghanistan's economy, and negatively. But which one is going to be stronger? I, do, I think it's anyone's guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nicholas yeah, Swihart. Yeah, I'm, I'm with okay. all of that. I was, I was with you okay. from the beginning. So uh, Nicholas Swihart saying, I've heard people compare the coming refugee crisis to what was happening in Syria in 2015. Does this comparison make sense? Uh, so th this is, you know, it's, there's no things, there's nothing that's exactly a perfect analogy for this or perfect precedent. I think it's, there are aspects of this that are similar to that refugee crisis. And there are a lot of things that are not similar to that, right? Like these, uh, the Afghan refugees, like this was an, this was a war where, where the U.S. was there. So that the U.S. is much more willing to protect these refugees and to welcome them um, in a much more warm way than, uh, the, the, than what happened to the Syrian refugees who were fleeing like a local threat, right, which was ISIS. So there's, a, there's an element of responsibility, Western responsibility here, and that conscience is kind of driving it. So that's, that's one of the key differences. But when it comes to the large number of refugees that will actually leave and that will go to these other countries and they may go to Europe and a lot of them are obviously coming to the U.S. too. And the U.S., again, they were actually picking these people up, evacuating them, bringing them to the U.S., giving them special visas and seeing then fix it later. They're going to fix it later and figure out what the status is going to be. And so this is happening and there's no controversy over it. Right. So that, that's a that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, I think we should like separate um, putting it in different compartments when we're talking about this. Like we have which countries we're refugees to which countries we're talking about. And also, are we talking about controlled refugees or uncontrolled, right? Like, are we talking about because like when we're talking about the controlled, like mm, planned refugees that are coming in, those actually have such a low impact compared to like a lot of people who want to fear monger. Like when, for example, if Canada like as allowing, I don't know, 20,000 Afghans in, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the number? I forgot. But that's like I, I don't so. Know. Like I, I think a lot of people don't understand how insignificant of a number that is, and how low of an effect that's going to have uh, on Canada, right? So, but but the thing, the the refugee crisis, like if it's like if you want to refer to a crisis, those are not like when you know United States or Canada lets like I don't know twenty thousand, fifty thousand people in. Those are those are those are not going to have that much of an impact. And I I know you might come up with an anecdotal evidence to prove that it's not true, but I'm talking about like if you think about it um holistically yeah um, but when when it, it, it's the un it's the unplanned refugees that is that you are not able to stop those are may might have bigger effects on a country's economy or its politics and if we're talking about that then we have to talk about it, different countries right because the immediate effect of that kind of refugee is going to be mostly on countries like iran and pakistan i mean it's not going to be, it already is right now as we're speaking. Like there's a lot of refugees like from Afghanistan going into Iran illegally. And, you know, Iran is, Iran's government is trying to take a hold of that. But uh, the interesting thing, thing is that all these Afghans going to Iran, a lot of them are not trying to, like some of them end up staying in Iran um, because they want to. And some, most of them, not because they want to. A lot of them were planning to go to Turkey. And I think Turkey has built a wall between right now um like so that the whole flow that we had before from i don't know from like 
different countries to Turkey and then from Turkey to Europe. Turkey has like has put a stop on that. Like I, I don't know how effective that's going to be, but like building walls works. (laughs) But I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how effective that's going to be. But I think that Turkey this time is like prepared for to make sure that that doesn't happen. So maybe it's going to be cut there. So maybe it's not going to. Again, I don't know. Like we'll see how if if this is correct or not. But Mm -hmm. maybe it's going to stop at the borders of Turkey. So Europe is not going to feel that the same way that they did from Syria. So I don't know about that. But the effect of this refugee. Um, you know, if you want to call it a refugee, um, well, I mean, yeah, a refugee crisis is going to be felt mostly by surrounding countries rather than, again, I don't know. It all depends on how good Turkey is going to be at um, yeah. maintaining its borders. Yeah, It's actually one of the interesting things about this is like, this has happened before when a lot of the, there was a huge refugee crisis and these refugees ended up coming to Pakistan. And that is what actually ended up, um, you know, Islamizing a lot of Pakistan and the, the madrasas and everything that were established there. So, you know, people, they came to Afghanistan. With them came all these Russian weapons because this was the remnants of the war against the Soviet Union and a lot of drugs. And it, it was a, it was a big crisis at that time when the U.S. cut and ran. There's a lot of bitterness about it. So it, it'll be interesting to see if that repeats itself. I don't think it's going to repeat itself in the exact same way. Uh, but, yeah, you know, let's see what Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Turkey tightens security measure, builds, builds wall uh, along its border with Iran. So again, that's the common route that you go from Afghanistan to Iran, uh, from Iran to Turkey, and from Turkey to Europe. And I think like this might not happen this time the way it happened before because of extra security measures. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, Susanna, eleven twenty-six p.m. Uh, uh, which parts of the current failures that we see can be correctly attributed to Biden as opposed to what Trump was actually responsible for? So the thing is, all four administrations are responsible for things the bush administration for getting in in the first place and going in and actually doing this thing uh right then there was the uh the the the, who came after bush the obama administration right the obama administration they did the surge they added more personnel into the country the troop surge they thought it was going to work and they knew that it wasn't working like at that point like during the obama administration they knew that this wasn't working out as planned this was pretty much a failure but they didn't really have the balls to withdraw they, they wanted to stay in there. They kept on talking, but they wouldn't They wouldn't withdraw. Then Trump came in, and then Trump negotiates this deal. He starts working with the Taliban, and he starts taking their promises as, as if they're going to actually fulfill it. And he talks about how bad the Iran deal was, but he actually gave them quite a bit uh, of leeway and latitude. He released 5,000 Talib- uh, Taliban from jail. Opened the he jails and let the people... That's where ISIS-K ever- came out of. Like A lot of ISIS-K people... Well, no. Those a lot like, of them were prisoners. No no, 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 no. The ISIS-K people were released by Taliban, but those 5,000 yes. were actually Taliban. The 5,000 that Trump released were Taliban. Mm-hmm. And we have a picture of Pompeo <laughs> with the Taliban leader. And if you had that picture of Biden with the Taliban leader, the right-leaning people would like forever show you yeah, that yeah. picture right now. But, but, but go what, ahead. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, so the, the, this is all these three previous administrations had their own screw-ups that were absolutely massive. And then Biden comes in and then he has this screw up where, you know, he screwed up the way that they, they withdrew from Afghanistan, which is a bad screw up. But the question, I think the correct question, Susanna, here is that who deserves credit for eventually doing the right thing? And it, it is. I know this is like an unpopular opinion, but Biden actually does. He did the one thing that none of the others did. The bad stuff wow. he did. Hold on. The bad stuff that Biden did, the stuff that wasn't good, the failure aspect. All three administrations have done it and many of them have done it much worse. But hmm. ultimately, he got he ended the war. He got everybody out of there. 
So such yeah. a such a oh my god! You, okay, you can't. You are yeah. incapable of criticizing Biden. So no, we criticized him a lot last let me, time. Let me talk. Let me talk now. Uh, <laughs> so you didn't answer the question. You you fixed the question instead of answering. A question. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but okay, so. I have, I have actually. So I was. Wait, 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 about, before, hold on, before, let me, let me, let me, cl- let me clarify one thing, one thing, one thing. It just, it's a clarification before you go on. Is that uh, what, which can be correctly attributed to Biden is the withdrawal, the way he did the withdrawal. Absolutely, like, like, that's what I'm saying. Well, actually, okay. So, and can mm-hmm. I like go on? on like, now you can, yeah. Um, so the the thing is that with, but it's really I I know it's impossible for Biden not to have made mistakes. Okay. It's hard to pin down what mistakes he have made because we don't like anything that we say, like, okay, he did this and this was the cost. Okay. We don't have a lab to show that if it was differently, the cost wouldn't have been higher. Right. So, for example, like a lot of people saying, it, this should have been planned more ahead of time. Right. But then the counter argument to that is that if you had sig- if the exit was planned more ahead of time, the exit would have been longer and the chaos would have lasted longer, right? And I don't know if that's true, but it's almost impossible to tell whether like, okay, like you did this and here's the cost. Like, okay, the alternative would have been, might have been cost there, okay? So I've been trying to figure out, like, I'm pretty sure he has made mistakes, but it's hard to pinpoint which which those mistakes are. Uh, But I think the only thing that I can, like I can criticize Biden's administration for uh, with it being, almost certain that yes this is the definite mistake here that should have been done much better is the speed at which the processing of uh the exit of um american allies was done right so the process in which the people who were who aided americans the process their exit like the the, pa- the paperwork right i don't i can't find any excuse for why there was no more people I, you know you could argue like the reason why they weren't being done the exit itself wasn't being done earlier it was because if you had done that it would have started the process and it would be signaling that americans going out earlier and this would have dragged this chaos would have dragged on longer but at least all the paperwork all the you know coming up with a plan on how exactly the exit is going to look like and if this happens where they're going to exit what what exactly the message of communication going to be and telling them if a happens do do this if b happens do this like that should have been done there is no excuse for that planning not to have been there. So I think that would be the best criticism for Biden that we could have. Do you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Like I agree with all of that stuff. I mean, this is right. just a thing, but I, I, I was just talking about the overall perspective. I know that right now, but oh, yeah. anyway. The yeah, overall we, perspective, we like this is a, this was, okay. The, I completely agree that this was a mess of Bush, Obama and Trump, most than any, more than anyone else. But more than firstly, Bush, like so one person that is not being mentioned here for the main person that is responsible <laughs> for all this yeah. is Bush, which is yeah. like, I think, yeah. Um, okay, next question. Okay. So D. Boudreau is asking who has a bigger role in Afghanistan's future, Pakistan or China? Well, you speak as if they're two separate things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was thinking the same thing. China's a bigger economic power. I mean, clearly. You know, there is the strategic advantages. Pakistan's like virtually a failed state. We're on the verge of becoming one. Um, so, you know, but they they are totally aligned. I mean, everything that China wants to do, Pakistan will do. 
Pakistan will do. Like Pakistan will go around talking about Islamophobia all over the world and talking about how, you know, the the French, we should get rid of all the French diplomats in the country because, you know, they're Islamophobic and all this stuff. And when they ask him about the, the Uyghur genocide and the Uyghur Muslim genocide in China, he's like, well, you know, I trust China and what they tell me because obviously they're basically China's bitches. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's yeah, they're the same thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pakistan will at least like strategically, Pakistan to China is what Taliban is to Pakistan, right? So yeah. I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, directly, yeah. which one has a bigger role? Um, I think directly it's going to be Pakistan because it's we're ta- it's, we're talking Taliban, and Taliban is a Pakistan. It's more of a Pakistani thing than an Afghan thing. Yeah, it's now, a Pakistani it's invention. Pa- is yeah, this Pakistani invention is now ruling over Afghanistan. So you would say like, yeah, it's mostly Pakistan. Yeah. Um, so um, it's eleven forty-five uh, from Susanna. What do you think of the potential for Turkey to help operate the Kabul airport? Ooh. Yeah, that's very interesting. Like, I keep on like, why are they <laughs> like Turkey is like for the past like couple of like now like months now is like, hey, can we can we manage the airport? No. Okay. And then they're like every a few weeks pass like. Hey, hey, can we manage the airport? Like, oh, no, no, okay. And now they're back again, like, guys, guys, can we manage your airport? I'm like, what are you? <laughs> what is this? What is this Turkey's obsession with all managing? <laughs> well, but what is it? Why Why do they want to do it? What is it? <laughs> I, well, um, I think they just want to have like a role there. Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand it. Like, I just it's like, it's got to be something more. Well, I mean, okay, so I think the Taliban is going to have a hard time managing the airport. Like, this is like, uh, you know, because managing an airport is beyond just, hey, here's security, right? There's like mm. operations and like, I don't know, air traffic. And I think Taliban is like, I don't know, like, they, we don't know how to do this, right? So I think Turkey is like just trying to find ways to just be part of the picture here. And I think they can't find any ways to be part of the picture. And this is the only way they found like we can do the airport. Like, hey, we're the Taliban, we know you suck at this. So, like, I think they want to have some relationship with the Taliban to be part of this, you know, to find an excuse to um, you know, have talks and be useful to Taliban. So the Taliban, because Taliban right now feels like, God damn it, we need the Islamic Republic of Iran, we need like some connections to the Pakistan, we need connections to uh, China and you know the current like Erdogan is like somebody like right now that wants to feel like within the Islamic world they all are always there like they want to be like yeah we're a major power play that have our hands everywhere so you need to talk to us as well if you want anything to happen like they're we're we're everywhere like they want to they basically they want they want to be the Sunni version of the Islamic Republic of Iran right so this whole idea of the, this Afghanistan happening and then being completely out of the picture. I think it doesn't, it just doesn't sit well with them. Hmm. So they just want to have some influence there. This is my understanding. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't know why else would they want to be there, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, another. <laughs> D is saying, they may, D is saying in the live chat, maybe they have an airport kink. Yeah. So, um, Susanna's clearing up the whole, the 20,000 spots in Canada. She's saying, yes, Armin, it is 20,000. We settlement oh. spots in Canada. I believe roughly two thousand have already landed in Canada. Possibly another seventeen hundred of those spots filled. I got it. Um, wow. Thanks, Susie, with all the with all the info. She's she's there. Oh, That's what she does. Yeah. Um, so, music guy twenty. 
Um, he's saying uh, what, what? So I think this might be the last question. So because you know we're kind of a little over time as well. Uh, so what do you think about no, the let's, new? Let's do that. Let's do all the Patreon questions. Like we'll do it fast. We'll do it fast. There, there's. I think that's the last one. I'm literally. No, there's one that. more by Music Guy again. Yeah. Oh, there is. Okay. So so he's saying, you know, what do you think about the new Taliban's usage of social media? The old Taliban would have banned the internet. Does this show change? Have they really changed their ways? They're becoming more strategic. And they're getting really good at it. Like, guys, the, when it comes to their social media, it wasn't that they're now using it. They were they, Their accounts were there ready to go for after the takeover. Guys, like, they had yeah. advanced planning. They had, like, they, all the social media accounts, they were, like, opening them and getting followers ready to go for right after the takeover. Like, they, this was, like, way ahead. Like, And they're so good at it. I mean, if you look at their tweets, they're actually pretty – they're funny. They're clever. They're, like – they say like they they seem like you know we, like we're cool with the kids and all like they're like i don't yeah, know yeah. they're like very they know they, they they're not saying like cringy things they they seem to like somehow figured out how how to do social media i don't understand like, i want i want to say one there. one thing about this question music guy is when the the old taliban there was no social media they had the internet but there was no social no, but, media. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There no, was no, no, no. But, but were they were against. No, no. So I think what music guy is saying, they was they considered internet and TV. They considered TV haram. So the, the Taliban, they used to say like even television is haram. Is now using social media like everything technology. No, but our, like, that's that's my point. So they were they banned the internet at the time, right? Because right. there wasn't. Now they want to use the internet because of social media. It's because social media exists now that they want to use it because they know it's a powerful tool. It's a way of broadcasting whatever they want to yeah. around, around the world. So they can but do that. There's a lot of comments right now by a lot of um, people about the fact that Taliban has accounts uh, on Twitter and the U.S. president was banned on Twitter, <laughs> so there's a lot of people commenting on that. Yeah, well, so I mean, that, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we, that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> another I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying Trump shouldn't have been banned. So, that's I, I, yeah, if they if the Taliban, I'm sure if they try to incite violence and things like that, they're, they're going to be banned too. But they haven't done it yet. Yeah, on the platform, you mean? On the platform, because they do incite violence. <laughs> of course, yes. If they incite, <laughs> exactly, it has to be on the platform. Yes. Like yeah, when yeah, you do yeah. it on the platform, that's it. That's a no-no. Uh, so the music guy is also saying maybe they want the Taliban to manage the border so they don't get lots of refugees. Maybe who who wants to? Yeah, no, the but the Turkey, the Turkey. No, because they're managing the airport. The airport is not the border, so that's a different thing, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I would have to see what some other theories are on why the Turkey is like so obsessed with Kabul's Turkey right now. Cobbles yeah. Carver's Airport. I said Carver's Turkey. Carver's <laughs> Airport. Like, I don't know why they're so obsessed with that. But yeah. yeah, we'll see. L last thing, Emmett Qureshi saying old the old Taliban banned photography. The new Taliban is taking selfies. Times have changed. Yeah, they're taking selfies because of social media. It's like, true. all of these people who are like, no music and no imagery, no photography, like, all of these ultra Islamic groups, they said that before before social media came around. Now that social media came around, and they know it's a big useful. weapon. They, they can't. They, yeah, that, that's what they're doing. It's just too useful for them. That's why they mm -hmm. can't. They yeah. can't do it. They're becoming. They're, again, the, the Taliban. Uh, a lot of people who say Taliban hasn't changed at all. 
they have they're not paying attention okay we're not saying they're if we're saying they've changed it doesn't mean that oh they're just like rainbow and sunshine and they're great now and they're not conservative they're not islamic they're not no we're not saying that but they have changed like you can't say they're the exact same thing right 20 years they're a lot they're 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 much a lot more strategic they're much smarter with their politics they're pragmatic and this is why we have isisk as we say because a lot of people are leaving them because like people wouldn't become disillusioned if they haven't changed like the people are leaving them in masses because they're more pregnant there's a big difference between like if you think back to 9 11 before 9 11 this that's the thing there's a lot of people who are, who are you know illegal adults right now who who don't even who were we weren't even born during 9 11 so the thing is if you think back to before then islam was a very 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 protected thing like nobody used to talk about it nobody used to criticize it if you did it was very very dangerous like remember the the cartoons danish cartoons that happened in 2006 charlie hebdo happened in 2015 right so this is like these are things i know they're they're very recent but uh muslims around the world have become very very desensitized to islam being criticized in a way that they weren't uh, before yeah i don't they think it's comparable to taliban because yeah, they're yeah. not desensitized and i'm just talking about well no i i think that it does affect them right it's been there's been a whole generation they're more I comfortable think, with technology they're more comfortable I, with social media yeah They've but the, the taliban is far away from being desensitized to criticize like they are they will still like yeah inside but like, i'm saying around the world around the yeah, world criticism it has gone mainstream it yes, has gone mainstream but, more than anything but else. not in taliban uh d is saying my social media account was disabled but taliban's is growing this is a new law for me well, armin <laughs> is banned from twitter too by the way yes, yeah, the yes taliban's on the taliban's on twitter but armin is not so yeah go figure uh, guys <laughs> if you yeah there you go that we should tweet that the taliban is on twitter and armin is not like but yeah. um okay. if you're watching this and if you're well. listening to this or watching this on youtube Please hit the like button. If you hit like, it helps feature us on YouTube, and more people get to get to hear these these podcasts. Um, subscribe. You hit the subscribe button and hit the bell so you get a notification every time we have a new video out. And we do have a lot of videos that come out every day. They're little clips, video clips from the conversations that you do here on your podcast app. And if you are listening to us on your podcast app, then please give us a rating. And if you're on iTunes, give us a rating and and. Uh, uh, that'll also that tremendously helpful for us. And uh, please do consider, if you like what you hear here, right? please do consider go going to patreon.com slash SJME and becoming a patron. And you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month and you get five or six episodes of Secular Jihadists and you are able to give your questions ahead of time before we do the stream and have them read first. Or you can... Uh, participate in the live chat and engage with us directly so there's a there's a lot of great perks to being able to do that and and if you know anybody at twitter that could like maybe help me unban unban my account on twitter because nothing i did was any violation of twitter's community guideline please email me at armin.navobi at gmail.com okay <laughs> please help me like if you guys know anybody at twitter okay yeah um yeah anyways um okay guys thank you thank you share yeah no don't if you're listening to the uh, to the audio version of this, please share this. Uh, it really helps us grow, like Ali said. Mm. Uh, and thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Be best. Be best. The secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. 
If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.